Listeners, this is the last episode of the first season of the Perfectly Preserved podcast. Anna and I have created, without fail, an episode for the last 62 Wednesdays. There are 62 episodes, counting this one, for you guys to binge, share with a friend, uh, maybe leave us a review. That would be awesome. But Anna and I have decided we're going to take a couple months off. We're going to return with a brand new episode on February 7th. So set uh, a little reminder for yourself to pop back in the first week of February. We have every intention of bringing you season after season of awesome episodes. But we felt like recording through the holiday season was kind of bananas when we did it last year. And we want to just give ourselves a little bit of a break. And Anna, you use the best word of all, a healthy little sabbatical. Yeah, I think for 62 Wednesdays, and we just want to give our editor, Kate, a shout out. Thank you so much for producing and editing our shows. It is time for a little break for Jenny and I. We both are doing some home remodeling projects that are going to engulf our lives. If you've ever done that, you know how stressful it can be. And we want to take a little break. We had a busy summer and we will see you back February 7th in 2024, which is insane to think about. Yeah. But yeah, we've just enjoyed creating this first season of the Perfectly Preserved podcast, and we hope you've enjoyed it as well. Welcome to the Perfectly Preserved podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Gomes. And I'm Anna Cash. Here, we come together to bring you a podcast all about preserving food safely, easily, and dare I say perfectly at home. We are master food preservers, moms, wives, and we love talking about canning. We've decided the world needs a podcast that shares up-to-date, modern, safe information about canning, dehydrating, freezing, freeze-drying, and more. We answer listener questions, teach beginner and intermediate techniques, and share our very best tips for preserving successfully. We'll show you how to find trusted recipes, sources, and more so you never have to second-guess your preserving practices again. Ready to can like a master preserver? Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to the Perfectly Preserved Podcast. I'm Jenny, and I'm here with my co-host, Anna, and we are here to bring you a really interesting topic. Uh, We're going to talk about fermented garlic, and I wanted to start off today by saying that Anna and I are totally in support of using natural remedies, using, for example, elderberry to support the immune system. If you're interested in doing that, we have a great episode all about using a steam juicer to extract juice from elderberries, and then you could potentially can it. So we have lots of resources for those of you who are interested in in preserving with the goal of using that preserved food uh, to boost immunity or battle the common cold uh, and so on. But we do have some really specific and significant concerns about this really trending recipe for fermented garlic that we are seeing on social media. Anna, why don't you describe for our listeners what this fermented garlic is all about? What what are people doing? Yeah, so specifically, it's honey fermented garlic. And basically, the premise is you submerge whole garlic cloves in raw honey. You know, I've seen it ranging from like raw organic honey to organic garlic, people being very specific about that. But most of the time, it's just 
look at this amazing immune boosting Mm -hmm. product that we're making at home. And Jenny and I got tagged in multiple social media posts like we always do. And she sent it to me and said, this would make a really good podcast episode because there's not a lot of information about it, but there is a lot of buzz about it. And that obviously makes for a very good podcast episode because that means that a lot of people maybe don't know what's going on and and they will just do it, you know, without any type of research into whether or not it's safe. So we're going to talk about some of the concerns that we have and also some of the things that you should look out for. So Jenny, why don't you walk us through like, what are some of the resources that we looked toward? I know on my end, I reached out to the USU office. We've had Melanie Jukes on twice now uh, on the podcast and she's over the Salt Lake Extension office. She's a big deal down there. So I immediately reached out to her. What other research did you find, Jenny? So we also were looking at an extension uh, response, I think, from the Clackamas County in Oregon, their extension knowledge base. And this is current. This is from March of 2023. And there are some really specific things about this type of ferment that make it really problematic and something that, in my mind, the benefits that could be gained can be gained in a different way that doesn't risk botulism in the way this one in particular does. So when anyone is creating a fermentation, they are creating an anaerobic environment. That's an environment where there's no oxygen. That's why when you see anybody fermenting anything, like even sauerkraut or anything, they are submerging all that food product underwater and trying to eliminate any oxygen from getting in there. That's what those uh, fermentation stones are about or those fermentation weights. And we know that the botulism spore can produce its toxin in an anaerobic environment. So that is the initial concern. And then one other, uh, one of the many concerns is that honey in particular is widely known and understood to have that C. botulinum spore present in it. I believe that there's about 2,000 cases of botulism in the United States every year, and the vast majority are in children under the age of two who consumed raw honey. And that is from that spore that is present in raw honey. And because little little guys under two years old, they have a what's called naked gut and their microbiome can't deal with that uh, exposure to the spore and any associated toxin that might be there. So we have this anaerobic environment when we're fermenting, okay? And then we're using honey, Anna, talk to us about the concerns with the water activity. So in honey, uh, it's a very low water product, but as garlic ferments, it basically like softens and any liquids that are in that garlic start to break down, just like in any fermentation process. You've seen this with sauerkraut, maybe, or kimchi. It starts to get soft and you get more liquid. And that's exactly what happens with garlic. It's encased in that honey. It's basically like, Mm. I don't know if you remember like Han Solo being stuck cryogenically frozen, Mm -hmm. but that's kind of similar. Like the garlic is inside there. And as it ferments and breaks down, 
the water activity in there makes another ripe environment for the botulinum toxin. And so uh, it's really important that you understand the process even of fermentation and what you're doing and creating. There's also a wide range of pH levels for honey. So honey might be, you know, 3.6 to 6.0. That Mm. is a huge range and fluctuation in pH. As we know, garlic is a low acid food. And from all of the canning episodes that we talk about, low acid foods, you have to be really careful when you put those in an anaerobic environment, because it's just a breeding ground for the botulism toxin to grow. Right. The perfect environment for a C. botulinum toxin to be produced is in an anaerobic, that means no oxygen, and low acid. So if you are fermenting, like, let's say, just cranberries, something that is high in acid, that would not be a concern for botulism. Our concern is this combination of factors with the high water activity of garlic, the fact that honey is just making this airtight seal, right? It's super thick, (laughs) ideally. And honey, we know, widely know, has that spore in it. It's creating that perfect environment. Like we talk about that, in my mind, it has too many of those potential factors, especially the raw honey part. That's, that is like, you're just bringing in those bad tenants into that anaerobic environment and like, reproduce, please. That's what's happening, I think, in this particular recipe. What else can you say about that, Anna? I mean, for me, it's just like a perfect cluster of like really bad things. Garlic grows in the ground. Mm, right. Botulinum spores are present ground. Raw honey is really high, like you mm-hmm. said, and botulinum. The anaerobic environment can create that, the high water activity and the low pH of garlic. So like all of it is just like a big cluster of like, don't do it. It's just, I don't know. I, this is one of those natural remedies that I just can't get behind. Like you said, we're not above trying natural remedies. You know, I sold essential oils for 10 years. I'm, I'm not above it. I just, like you also have to have some common sense when it comes to this type of natural remedy and understanding the science of like chemistry and soil and pH. Those are things that you just can't overlook. I didn't even think about garlic being grown in the ground. So when you were pressure canning or preserving potatoes, it's well documented that it is safe to peel your potatoes and remove that environment in which that we know that C. botulinum is present. That's why you're asked or directed in directions to peel the potatoes, because then you're just removing that entirely. You're you're mitigating that risk of that being there by just removing the peels. And I didn't even think about that. Garlic is another thing that's just, it's hanging out where C. botulinum spores are going to be found. I didn't even think that. Yeah. It's an underground allium and it just, you just have to be careful. And I, I mean, you were talking about other root vegetables. I was, Mm -hmm. I was uh, watching another reel and some woman was like, nobody's going to tell me that I have to peel my potatoes before I pressure can them. (laughs) And I just wanted to be like, lady, (laughs) 
do you not understand? Well, she doesn't. You can scrub and scrub. And you know, I'm I'm definitely not slagging anybody, but like it's it's like saying, well, I'm not going to wash my hands before I do any type of food prep work. Like it's just <sighs> I don't really know what to say about it. We sigh. We sigh. Yes, it's just common sense. It's food safety. And uh, it's something that everybody needs to know about. And so if, uh, you know, washing your hands is important to you to make sure that you have like clean hands when you're making your food or processing your food, it shouldn't be that hard to understand that you also then need to peel your potatoes because they are an underground crop. Right, right. And now a quick word about our courses. Want to learn more about canning? Check out our video courses. Anna's beginner and advanced canning courses are available at smarthomecanning.com. And Jenny teaches a variety of courses, including the super fast steam canning course at startcanning.com. Use code POD25 to get 25% off those courses today. That's code POD25 to get 25% off today. Another part of this puzzle (laughs) that has many important pieces is that (laughs) fermentations start out at a higher pH and then drop as the lactic acid bacteria and other friendly bacteria grow as they produce acid. So I want to say that there's a lot of change happening in this fermented garlic and honey combination and all of it, there's nothing about it that's like, oh, maybe it's acidic enough. You know, it's all trending towards too alkaline. And again, as, as we started out by saying, and, and we'll say it again, it's not that we're against using home remedies or against fermentation or against garlic or honey. But when you put them all together, it's, it's just a lot of factors that I think are an excellent way to get someone very, very sick. And I think it bears mentioning that botulism causes paralysis. That's how Botox works. That's the deadened toxin, right? It paralyzes. When we use it cosmetically, it paralyzes localized muscles, right? Like just just those particular muscles that you want frozen. But if you suffer botulism, you you become paralyzed from the head down. So you'll have like your vision, your eyelids will droop, then your respiration is affected. And people are hospitalized for weeks and weeks and weeks and are lucky to live. It is not like like a bout of stomach flu, like 12 hours and you throw up and you're over it. It's like something we do not want. You do not want to suffer botulism poisoning. Yep. And um, there was also just kind of some warnings about packing things in oil. Right. It doesn't even necessarily right. have to be honey, but there's a really great Oregon State University extension PDF mm. all about herbs and vegetables in oil. Oh, um, good. Such as garlic, mushrooms, chili peppers, herbs in oils. And these low acid foods can be a source of C. botulinum bacteria, which is found in soil, water, and air. Oil's oxygen-free environment is perfect for the growth of the bacteria. For this reason, herbs and vegetables in oil must be stored correctly to prevent botulism food poisoning. Right. So they also note that commercial garlic and oil mixtures are acidified to prevent bacterial growth. Mm. So you know, they mitigate that by adding some type of acidification. So 
I don't know. I thought this was really interesting. Right. And that takes us to the thing that people love to make like, well, if it's in the store, why can't I do it better at home? Well, as you just said, that if if there's food products in oil, then they've been acidified to mitigate that risk. Anyway, I think I just feel uh, uh, not hesitant, but it, it's unfortunate that it feels to Anna and I like if we broach the subject, then it's like we suddenly are anti-home remedy. And that isn't the case at all. But this particular one has all of the concerns, all of the elements that the bot toxin needs to grow. And I, I understand if people are doing this, they're like, they're just trying to like have something really healthy to chew on when they get a sore throat. I get it. Totally great. Right. But there's just other ways to do it that do not create this perfect environment. Like put raw honey in your tea. Put, <laughs> like consume these ingredients separately. Do not, right, right. do not ferment them together. And we, you know, this could be, it's a whole separate episode, but this is, this fermented honey garlic is uh, like a a sibling to fire cider in some ways. Like the people that are making fire cider are also super stoked to ferment garlic and honey. And fire cider is different. Why? What ingredient in fire cider is, is making that a whole different ball of wax, Anna? We didn't talk about this before the episode, but I think, yeah, a lot of vinegar. It's a ton of vinegar. It's super acidified. Like, I don't even, I'm sure that's why we haven't, I mean, that's why, that's why that's very likely going to be acidic enough to hang out on the counter. It's not super thick and creating that no oxygen environment. It's a lot of different ingredients, but many of which are high acid, including lemons or citrus fruits and like cups and cups of vinegar, right? So creating that kind of ferment or infusion doesn't have that perfect storm of no oxygen, low acid, and that water act, and you know the root, the uh, the garlic that's grown in the ground. There's just it's too many risk factors, I think, for Anna and I to get behind. Sorry, I just mentioned the fire cider because that's kind of it goes along with the same type of uh, ideas. Yeah. You know, using creating your own home remedies, which is fine. I mean that that pursuit's awesome. That's cool. But um, it's it's the combination of these things that has us a little bit worried. Yeah. And I think it would be interesting to do a fire cider episode, but I personally have never made it, but I've seen a lot of people do it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it looks very similar to a ferment, right? Mm-hmm. Well, some people are fermenting theirs and some are just kind of creating an infusion. You're just packing a jar, hopefully a clean one, with citrus, garlic, mm-hmm. cayenne, you know, all kinds, all the things that are purported to boost your immunity. But it has a ton of apple cider vinegar. So it's, in my mind, that yeah. that risk is just completely different. It's not, sti- it's not coating, it's not airtight the way honey and or oil would be. But it's very popular. And popular things sometimes don't come under scrutiny the way they maybe should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it looks like, you know, some of the recommendations are to use your fire cider within six months. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. Anyway, it, it would be another great episode to talk about fire cider. But for this episode for honey fermented garlic, Jenny and I both give it a thumbs down. Yeah. Not recommended, not safe for the reasons listed in this episode. So I hope you found this helpful. And I hope 
you know, you can share it with your friends and family who are talking about it. Mm -hmm. I know it is a little bit of a touchy subject. People don't like to be told that certain things can grow the sea botulinum (laughs) spores, but that's our job is to talk about safe home canning and preserving. So yes, (laughs) it is what it is. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Anna. Sorry to be the bearers of bad news. All right. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode. We hope you listen in every week. Jenny and I share episodes every Wednesday. And yeah, just keep getting involved in canning and preserving. And if you have questions or would love to share our episodes, we very much appreciate that. Jenny is at the Domestic Wildflower on Instagram. And I am on uh, Instagram at Smart Home Canning. Um, you can reach out to either of us. Please tag us in your canning adventures. We love to see your successes. And we also love to help you if you have questions. So yes. thanks so much for joining us and have a great week. That's our show. We don't want you to miss an episode. So please be sure to subscribe. If you found this episode helpful and informative, please give our show a rating and review. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps our show grow. Follow us on social media at Smart Home Canning and at The Domestic Wildflower. Email your preserving questions to perfectlypreservedpodcast at gmail.com and we will do our best to answer your questions on the show. Thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode released every week.